So if you've been with us, we've been walking through the book of Acts. I look back, actually. If you were a Kentucky Changer, you were with us last year. We were in about Acts chapter 8 when you were here. So we've made it through 12 chapters. We are now in Acts 20, and uh, we are trucking along. Um, but when we come to Acts 20, uh, we, we begin to see that there's a call to spiritual leadership. And we saw that last week as Paul came on the scene. We saw his love of the church, his discipleship of the church. And we saw how God was raising up other people to come and follow. And we reminded us that, hey, we all have levels of influence, right? I mean, some of us, it's whether it's with our family, whether it's with friends, it's on job sites, um, God has given you levels of influence, and He's also put others around you that can influence you. And so we are all in this life of discipleship. We are being discipled, and we are making disciples. And so as we begin to look at this, we've got to realize that there's a call to balance life and belief. Life and teaching. And maybe depending on the translation you have, maybe it sounds more similar for you to say life and doctrine. Or life and faith. But life and belief must be balanced. And what we're going to see is that Acts chapter 20, Paul is in a place in Miltus. And he calls for the church at Ephesus. He says, listen, would you send the leadership here? I need to share with some things with them. This is the last time that we're going to be together. And so Paul calls the leadership to come from Ephesus. Um, and they're going to do that. And they're going to show up. And Paul's going to begin to pour into them one last time to prepare them for, to lead the church when Paul is absent. And Paul's going to make some important statements. So Acts chapter 20, we're going to pick up in verse 17. It says, Now from Miltus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, he said to them, You yourselves know how I lived. Look what he says there. How I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia. So Paul says, listen, you guys, you, you Ephesus... You leaders, the elders of the church is who he's called. He says, listen, you guys know how I lived among you, right? And so we're going to look today at trying to balance this, this area of life and belief. If I can do this. Yeah. Maybe it'll stay. We're going to try to balance this um, and say, what's it look like for our lives to balance our life and our belief, Right. Paul says, listen, look what he says here. It's interesting. He says, guys, you know how I lived among you. And look what he says. He says, it's, in fact, the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, like from the first day that I set foot on the campus here at Green County High School, when we walked in for changers, you guys know how I lived among you the whole week, right? I mean, can you imagine that? At the end of the week, you say, hey, listen, you guys saw how I lived. Paul says, listen, I want you guys to know about my life, not just for moments of time, but the entirety of time. Now, I don't know about any man or woman here today, but to think that your life continually before people sets a godly example is a weight that no one here can bear. Right? I mean, that's too much for any of us. Any of us here, are none of us are capable of being able to live perfectly all the time. That's why Paul is saying to us the words of Galatians 2 and 20. I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But who lives in me? But Christ lives in me. You see, when it comes to live a godly life, we must realize it's not by our own strength or power. There is a work of God's Holy Spirit inside of us who we have received by repentance and faith. God's Spirit has come to indwell us. And Paul says, listen, you guys know how I lived among you. And you say, well, well Paul, how did you live among them? Well, look what he says. Verse 19, he says, guys, listen, I was serving the Lord. And, and Paul's going to tell you how he serves the Lord, how he lives. He says it was with all humility, there were tears, and he says also with trials. 
He says, these happened to me through the plots of the Jews. And if you're with us, we were back in Acts 19 and a riot broke out when Paul began to show up and say that gods made with hands actually aren't gods at all. And the uh, people went crazy over that. But Paul says, listen, guys, I'm serving and leading with humility, with tears and in the midst of trials. Listen to this. Listen to what Paul says to church at Rome. Romans chapter 12, verse 16. He says, live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people. And don't think you know it all. Right? Paul says, listen, there is going to be a place of humility. Look further with me. Paul's humility. In 1 Corinthians 15, 9, he calls himself the least of all the, the apostles. He says, I'm unworthy to even be an apostle. He writes to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 3 and 8. He says, I'm the least of everybody in the church. I'm the least of the saints. Furthermore, in 1 Timothy 1 and 15, we have Paul calling himself the chief of sinners. He says, listen, if there's a list of sinners, put me at the top. Paul has great humility. But not only that, he says also not only did I have humility, right? I was serving the Lord with tears in the midst of many trials. It reminded me of the words that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. And he says in verse 5, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus who, though he was the form of God, did not consider or account equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant. Here it is, that humility. Being born, right? Because, I mean, he is God, right? He's the form of, it says, he's the form of God. But instead, he takes this form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself. To what place? We'll look, this is where the trials become to, begin to illuminate from the text. He says, by come, becoming obedient to the point of death. How serious were Jesus' trials to the place of even death? In fact, it was there on the cross that even tears came when he, he cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, this is a place of humility, of Christ's example. And you say, well, Blake, that's great for Jesus and that's great for Paul, but I'm not either one of those. Don't miss what Paul says in verse 5. Look back at me just for a moment. Lest you hear this and you think, that's not me. There's no way I can live as a servant. There's no way I can live and be obedient to anything that God calls me to do. I'm just not, I'm not capable of that. Look what it says, verse 5. Have this mind among yourselves, which is, what's he say? It's yours in Christ Jesus. He says this mindset of humility to put others first, this mindset of associating with ordinary people, this mindset of being willing to say, God, whatever you want from me, God, I'm, I'm on board with that. I'll be obedient, God. I can't do it in my own strength, but by the power of your spirit, Lord, I, I know, God, you in me can do it. Paul says, if you're in Christ, that's the mind that you have. That's the spirit of God that's at work in you, compelling you to serve that's the reminder that the Spirit's going to echo in your soul to remember that Christ came not to be served, but to serve. That the Son of Man came to give His life as a ransom for many. That's the Spirit of God in you. Not that you would be first, but that you would be last. Why? Because God says in His kingdom, the last will be first and the first shall be last. But further with me, look what else Paul says. He says, listen guys, it's not only about this humility. It's not only about the trials that we'll go through and the tears that we'll experience. He says, listen, I want you also to know that it's not about simply just right living. There must also be right teaching. There must be right teaching. Listen to what Paul says. 
He says, listen, guys, not only was there serving with humility and experiencing many trials and tears, he said, listen, I didn't shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable. Paul says, listen, guys, I I was there and I was telling you guys things that were profitable. He's talking about his teaching here. And he says, listen, I want you to know that I was out there and I was sharing, letting you know that it's not simply just about doing the right thing. It's why are we doing it? Right. I mean, like what's 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 at work inside of us that would compel us to go and serve this week? Right. I mean, what's inside of you to say, listen, you're called to love your spouse as Christ loved the church as husbands. What's inside of us that would in any way help us submit to the authority that God's placed in our lives? Paul says, listen, guys, I was there telling you guys, it's not simply just about the right living. It's also about right thinking, about the right teaching, about the right belief. It's interesting when Paul uses this word profitable. It literally indicates that anything that's beneficial. Now, let's don't hear that and assume that Paul told them what they wanted to hear or what they always liked. Right. I don't know about you, but how many of you grew up? Did your parents try to get you to eat some kind of like fruits and vegetables a lot? How many of you raise your hand? Right. A little exercise. And yeah, I mean, lots of us. Right. I mean, your parents probably did right? the squash, the corn, uh, green beans, asparagus, Brussels sprouts. I remember my parents would try to cook that stuff. I'm like, Ugh! right. I mean, let's be honest. We didn't want that. What did we want? We wanted the cheeseburgers. Right. Give me the pizza. Right. I mean, I don't want to be eating that right now. I don't I don't want to hear that I need green beans or that there are like hungry kids somewhere in the world that would love to have those corn. I'm like, give me the address and I will peel that baby overnight. Right. I mean, literally, I mean, let's be honest. We don't want that. I mean, we want the stuff that we like. But it's been interesting as I've gotten older and, and maybe more seasoned, more mature. Maybe that's just part of life. But I began to like those things. The green beans and the lettuce and the Brussels sprouts and the asparagus, the squash, except for that big squash soup you made that one time, babe. But, but, but literally, I mean, now when we, we go to Subway, I tell those guys, I say, listen, run that baby through the garden. Like literally, if you've got it in the line, I want it on that sub. I don't want you to be able to close that sub. I want that baby falling off with vegetables everywhere. Why? Because my parents knew as a young kid what was best for me, even if I didn't like it. So it is when it comes to right teaching. The temptation is is to give the people that we love, our pookie bears, our honey buys, our baby boys, our baby girls, our grandkids, whomever on our job site, we want to tell them what makes the best sense for their life. Why? Because we don't want to offend them or drive them away or have them give them like awful faces or say stuff about us. But listen, that's not what they need. They need the truth about Jesus Christ. I had someone this week was asking me, said, listen, what should we be teaching about the Bible and how much of that should we teach? And that can be offensive and many things. We're just kind of having that discussion. How do you teach the word of God in the midst of this culture? And I said, well, I think the primary thing we must do is come back to the cross. Because when we come to the cross, not only are we encountered with the amazing love of God, we also must have to ask ourselves, why the cross? Like, what's that say about me that my condition or my shape was so bad spiritually that God had to send His Son to die on the cross? What's that indicate about me? So I think we must come back to the cross. And it's the Word of God that even though there's times when it may not be as palatable as we like with the Word of God, it must begin to encounter our lives. 
But listen to what Paul says. He says, listen, guys, he says, it's not only did I not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you. And look where he says here. It's interesting. He says, I was also teaching you guys in public. He says, listen, I want you to know that that oftentimes you may not really like it. um, You may not want to hear it. But the truth is we need the church. I was sharing the gospel with an individual this past week, and they said, listen, I'm all on board by Jesus, but I don't really want anything to do with the church. I don't really want to go to church. And I was like, listen, we've so messed it up. We assume church is the building. Do you know that if you are in Christ, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, you are the church. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The church isn't a place you go on Sunday. It's where you went Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. You are the church. We are the church. And Paul says, listen, he was teaching the gospel in public, whether that was in the synagogue or in the marketplace or whatever Paul was teaching. Why? Because if we're not careful, we can begin to say it, even though we may sing something different. The mantra of our heart and lives is different than what we're actually believing. Our life is really saying, I need thee. Oh, I need thee. Every Sunday, I need thee. Oh, precious Lord. Every Sunday I come to thee. If you're not careful, your life can get out of balance with what you believe. I mean, you can, you can say one thing, but your life is different. So it was with Christ. In Mark chapter 7, verse 6, where he says, These people, they honor me with their lips, he says, but their hearts, their lives. He says the belief, they got, got it right, but it's not in balance. He says their hearts are far from me. So Paul says, listen, guys, it's literally not only about teaching in public. He says, look what he says here, and I think this is crucial. He says, guys, I was also teaching you from house to house. He says, listen, I want you to know that the Word of God, if it's going to become rooted in you, can't happen just in 45 minutes or an hour, hour and a half, two hours on Sunday mornings. He says, the Word of God is a part of who we are. It is to be who we are as families, as a community of believers, Paul says we are sharing the Word of God. God's Word is constantly being discipled and poured into the people we love and care about. God's Word, listen, it must indeed be the sole source of truth in your life day to day. You need God's Word Monday through Saturday just like you need it on Sunday. And Paul says, listen guys, that's the example he's leaving here. Again, he's talking to the church. This is the last time he says he's going to see them. He says, none of you guys will ever see my face again. So what he's saying is very important. And he's telling them, listen, guys, it can't just happen when you gather together as a big group. He says, I want you to know that it also should be happening in your homes. Is the Word of God, is it being taught in your homes? Is it? Is God's Word being set forth? So maybe you're here today and you say, well, Blake, what happens... In moments when this life and belief get out of balance, right? And, and I would try to do it, but I'm afraid it won't stay very good. But like, what do you do? Like when what you believe doesn't necessarily balance up. Like your life is way outweighing what you believe. Like what happens in those moments? I'll share a moment with you. Uh, last week, um, not this week, but the week prior to that, um, I had a little altercation with someone playing basketball. Um, for many of you that know me, that's not going to be maybe real, real surprising because you know I, I'm pretty straightforward. I, I struggle with pride and purity. And I was playing ball, and it was coming down. The game was tight, and um, I thought somebody had fouled me. They didn't call it, and so I thought they had. And so, um, 
what often can happen with me is my mouth can begin to run and say, Miss, you didn't call it. You should have, right? I mean, those, those, right? We end up losing the game. And so I got a little bit salty, right? And you ever get salty sometimes when things don't go your way? And um, I began to get salty. And so literally we just had some interchange for a few moments and didn't, didn't honor the Lord. And, and so at the end of the day, came forward in the game. I just had to say, man, listen, they totally blew it. Totally blew it. I, I apologize. Would, would you forgive me? I, I wasn't honoring Christ. I didn't honor the Lord. And, and here's what's amazing about it. Here's what I want to share with you. Literally, I, I'm not making this up. I took a screenshot, right? So this is June 30th, the day that it happened. This is from my text that very morning, my Bible reading plan. Well, I'm not making this up, so you just know this is how, how what happens in our lives. Look what it says, verse 6 and 7. A fool's lips walk into a fight, and his mouth invites a beating. A fool's mouth is his ruin, and his lips are a snare to his soul. And of everything I read that morning, guess what stood out to me the most? This text right here. And I spent time that Friday morning praying, God, protect my lips. God, you know how easily prone I am to get fired up. You, Lord, you know that I can, just, I can run out my mouth and just say stuff. And he, I was just sitting there meditating over this and praying over it. And then I'll be honest with you, looking back on that day, I had to say, you know what? My life looked like pretty foolish. So listen, what do you do in moments when your life and your belief, as much as you're trying, it just doesn't balance? You mess it up. You repent and say, forgive me. Some of you, you need to go to your spouse and say, listen, that... that I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have acted that way. Some of you need to go to your kids and say, listen, I shouldn't have done that. I'm sorry. Daddy lost his cool or mama shouldn't have said that. Some of you guys as kids need to go to your parents and say, I didn't honor and obey you guys. Ephesians 6 says, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Right? I mean, some of us need to go to the umpire after the game and say, would you forgive me? Can I get a witness? Okay, it was just me, but um, there may be some of you other ones, possibly. But what are we saying in those moments when we ask someone to forgive us? When we say, you know what, on that ball court or in your home or on your job or in the community when you lose it. We're telling people that we're in need of grace. I'm in need of grace. I messed it up. I ran my mouth. I shouldn't have. But guess what we're also beginning to usher into them? They need grace too. And let's not be surprised when people offend and hurt us. Why? Because we are, I don't know about you, but I'm the greatest sinner I know. People often ask, should I pray for myself? I say, I pray for myself usually first every day. Why? Because I'm the greatest sinner I know. I know how the the depravity of my own heart. I know the depths of my wickedness. I need the power of Christ to set me free from that. So let us not only receive grace... Let us give grace. So Paul writes, and again, he's reminding them, listen, guys, I want you to know it's not only about my way of life, but also the way I taught. And he says, I want you to know that my teaching and my belief, my faith, it it was driving my spiritual life. It was God at work in me. This word will begin to take root in you. And maybe you hear Blake and say, Blake, you're making too much of this. Right? I mean, it's really not that big a deal. Um, It doesn't have that big an impact. Paul would say that your life and your belief has a huge impact, not only on you, but on others. Listen to what he says. He writes to a young pastor, his young brother, his young friend, um, his brother in Christ, in 1 Timothy chapter 4. 
Um, if you remember Ac- Ac- earlier in Acts chapter 20, Timothy is actually there walking with him. And look what he says to him. Uh, let's, let's jump first to verse 16 and we'll kind of work our way backwards. He says, listen guys, you need to keep a close watch on yourself. He says, keep a close watch on yourself. And you say, well, how do I keep a close watch on myself? Like he says, listen, I want you to keep an eye on your life. Listen to this. Why? Well, he says, let, let no one despise you for your youth. But as a youth, as, as a young person in Christ, he says, listen, I want you to know that you should be setting an example for other believers in your speech, the way you talk, your conduct, the way you act, your love, your faith, your purity. Furthermore, he says, listen, guys, I don't want you to only keep a watch on your life. Look what he says to them. I also want you to keep watch on your teaching. He says, I want you to look at what you believe. I want you to examine your belief, your faith, your doctrine, your understanding of the Word of God. He says, listen, I want you to keep a watch on that. Look what he says. Verse 13 of verse 74. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. He says, be devoted to God's Word. To exhorting, to teaching He says, practice these things. You say, well, why is Paul saying all of this? Look what he says, verse 16. So keep a close watch on your life, he says, but also your belief, your faith. Why, Paul? Well, look what he says. He'll answer it for you. For by so doing. So Paul's going to say, you want to know why this is so important? You keep an eye on your life and also your your teaching, your understanding, your doctrine. You will save both yourself and your ears. Now, what's Paul saying here? He's saying that you can save yourself? Absolutely not. Paul's ushering the church, reminding the church that, listen, when your life and your faith, your belief, when they are balancing, when you begin to see, listen, my life is is reflecting what the Word of God says, and when it doesn't, I feel conviction about that, and I cry out, God, forgive me, God, change me. I'm beginning to see that God's bearing fruit in my life, changing me. He said it provides confirmation that you are in Christ. Reminding us of Jesus' words in John 15, verse 8. He says, by this, or, um, look what he says. He says, bear fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. I can't remember exactly the, the verbiage right now in the moment. But he's saying, listen, that your life will begin to bear that fruit. Showing yourselves to be our disciples. He says, listen, when your life and, and your faith, they are in balance with one another. It begins to provide an affirmation, a confirmation that you are in Christ. And not only that, look what he says. He says, it's also going to affect your hearers. It's going to affect the people that are watching you. Now listen, the people that I play ball with, they all know where I stand in Christ. So guess what had to happen this Friday when I came back? Before we checked the ball up, I had to say, listen, you guys were all here last week. I didn't represent Christ. I blew it. That's not who God's called me to be. That's not who I want to represent Him as. I mean, for most every one of those guys on the court there, I've had an opportunity to share the gospel with them on the sideline. Of either affirming their faith that they are in Christ or finding out where they stand. But we've got to begin to say, listen, my life, and I I can't just simply say I'm a Christian and live any way I want. I mean, just kind of get that so out of balance. I've got to realize people are watching my life. And I've got to begin to usher them by the Spirit of God at work in me to say, listen, guys, you need Christ. I need Christ. And when I blow it, I want you to know I need His grace just like I'm telling you, you need it. We need it. But maybe even if you're not convinced yet, one final example of why you should watch your life 
and your faith, your life and your teaching is balanced. It's Paul's works to the church at Rome. Listen to what he says. He says, for although they knew God. He says, they knew God. Now, what's interesting is, is he's just told us in verse 18, he says, that God's invisible qualities, His divine nature, have been clearly seen from what has been made so that men and women are without excuse. He says, listen, the very creation declares that there is a God. That when people look up and they see the sun, the stars, when they begin to see other people around them and recognize all of this vast ecosystem, this universe, all the things that God's put together, people begin to say, listen, there must be a God. This couldn't happen by accident. So Paul says, listen, although they knew God, that they were aware that there is truly a God. Look what he says. The belief's there. Look about their life. He says, they did not honor him as God. Furthermore, he tells them in verse 25, he says, they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Paul says, listen, guys. They had the belief that maybe they could check the boxes. I know about Jesus and uh, I understand about God and yeah, all that. But their lives, their lives were different. You say, listen, it's not that big a deal. The way I'm living, it doesn't have that big an impact. I can change at any point I want to. I want to tell you just for a moment, just pump the brakes to realize the seriousness of your and my sin. And look what he says, verse 24. Therefore, God gave them up. That's a terrifying passage that you need to pump the brakes on your life for a moment. You may be thinking that your life doesn't make any big deal. It's not, it doesn't matter. It's not really important. I can say I believe in Jesus and I can do kind of whatever I want. God's warning those who know about Him, who have been revealed about Him, and they're choosing not to honor Him. They're choosing to worship and serve creatures rather than the Creator, whether it's serving and worshiping themselves. He says, listen, I want you guys to know that God gave them up. What's that mean? He just let them go their own way. He said, if you want that, you can have it. That's a terrifying moment in Scripture. And maybe you're here today and you say, well, Blake, if that's me, if my life has gotten out of balance of what I believe about what the Word of God is saying this morning, then what should I do? Paul tells us right back there as we close out in Acts chapter 20. He says, listen, guys, you know how I was teaching you in public and house to house. Then verse 21 of Acts 20, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God. You say, what is repentance? Repentance is this change of mind. It's an acknowledgement that your way of life is leading away from the cross rather than toward Christ. It is what Paul would say was his commission from Jesus Christ. He says in verse 18 of Acts 26, to open their eyes so that they may turn from darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. He says that's how serious it is for those that are apart from Christ. They are under the power of Satan. They are in the midst of darkness. He says, but the call, the call is to return, to repent. It's a change of course, it's a change of direction. Paul's saying that. He says, listen, that was my call, a call to repentance. But not only to repent, look at us, he says there, and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Paul says that similar there in verse 18 of Acts 26. He says that they may receive forgiveness of sins and a place among those who are sanctified by faith in me. Sanctified by faith in Christ. You see, we can't separate 
repentance from faith. It is God's calling us. He's saying, listen, it's not only understanding and affirming. I believe about Christ. He says, Paul says, I'm constantly preaching. Your life is a call to be transformed, to come out of darkness, to come to the light. And honestly, I'll be, I'll be really straight with you today. There's no one that I know that can keep this balance perfectly. There's none. There's no one here today that's ever lived perfectly enough that you've kept your life in perfect balance with what you believe. No matter how faithful you've been, no matter how much you've strived, you've not. But there was one. There was one who came and lived. Brother Corey read it earlier, 2 Corinthians 5 and 21. It says that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to be sin for us. That in Him... We might become the righteousness of God. The call today is for you all that are trying to constantly live and be good enough. To balance your life and your belief. You're trying every day to live it up enough. You've been trying every day maybe here at Changers. Maybe if that's, that'll prove to God I'm, I'm good enough, He'll accept me. No, the Bible says that there is none that is good. There's none that's righteous. But one. And His name was Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God. And He came, guys, and He lived a perfect life and He had perfect faith. And the Bible says that if you would have faith in Christ, see that right there again? Faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. You say, why should I have faith in Him? Because the Bible declares that if you would put your faith in Him, this perfect life, perfect life of never doing anything wrong, never sinning, perfect belief, faith, always trusting completely and totally in God, never doubting, never wavering, even for a moment, says, by faith, that's credited to you. He says, it's only by grace. So I don't know about you, if you're trying to live your life perfectly enough, that's overwhelming and exhausting. I compel you today to come to Christ. To His finished work. To His perfect life. His perfect faith. And just simply bow and say, wow, Lord. My way of life has been wrong, God, and Your way is right. Father, would You forgive me? God, would You send Your Spirit, God, just to, to come inside of me, Lord? I confess that Jesus Christ is he's my Lord and my Savior, Lord. I can never, ever be good enough. I can never, ever be sufficient enough. Father, I just pray, God, in this place that the beauty of the Gospel would strength, would just, just speak forth. That you would call people, as Paul says, out of darkness into light, out of, from the power of Satan to the power of God, and they would realize that there's no way they could ever be good enough on their own. Father, I pray that they would begin to look to Christ and say, He is my perfect sacrifice. He is my all-sufficient Savior. God, I ask that Your people today would just be encouraged by Christ, by His sufficiency and not their own. Father, right now, I pray for Your people, God, whose what they believe is true, is genuine. God, they are truly Yours, but their lives are out of balance, Lord. I pray, God, right now that Your Spirit would just speak and that You would call them to repent and return back to You, just confessing their need of Christ. Father, again, I thank You and I praise You for Jesus. It's in His name we pray, Lord. Amen. This morning...